So we welcome Mark, um, who's been gone for? I thought seven years. Seven years. We had the privilege of them on eldership, and of course, uh, God has released them into their vision, sent them from this church to go and impact in New Zealand, along with probably five others that are leading churches there. So, Mark, over to you. Thanks, Marcus. Good morning, everyone. So good to see some familiar faces, but also incredibly exciting to see some new faces and some grown-up faces in the front there, Milden Hall boys, a boy and girl. And uh, really is a joy and a delight to be with you this morning. Um, so during worship, I felt that God remind me of this passage of Scripture in 2 Timothy chapter 2. And it's entitled, A Worker Approved by God. But I felt like God saying over Cornerstone Church that this is a church approved by God. Because it's a church where many churches will be planted. Many leaders are developed in this church. Many are recognized. Many are raised up. But most importantly, they then release to go and do what God's called them, which is to disciple the nations. And I just felt like God wants to commend you, Cornerstone Church, all the sites, to say, well done. Because in God's eyes, you are an instrument for noble purposes. And the most noblest of all purposes is of course to shine for Jesus, to go and make a difference for Jesus. And yes, all of us do that. I trust in our work environments and our neighborhoods and the places we find ourselves in. But this is a church where many other churches have been started, have been planted because of this base church. This is a church for God's holiest purposes, his most noble purposes to see this gospel going out disciples one for Jesus who in turn will go and make more disciples and so I feel like the father just wants to say well done Cornerstone Church the legacy you guys have whatever that is 40 years or I don't know how long now but how many churches have been established all over the world because of your faithfulness keep doing what God's called you to do all right bless you so this morning I want to oh I've entitled my message taking Jesus at his word. Now, I'm certainly hoping that my tongue and my brain work together. We only arrived in the country yesterday, and uh, we have 11 hours difference between New Zealand and South Africa. So I was awake at two o'clock thinking it's surely time to wake up, by which I could not go back to sleep. So by six o'clock, I was ready to go back to bed again. So I am hoping that the tongue and the brain work together. If they don't, please be gracious to me. And um, together we hopefully are going to hear what God has to say to us. All right, so that's the title of my message, Taking Jesus at His Word. And so what does it mean to take someone at their word? Well, I went to the Oxford Dictionary to find out what that might potentially look like. And the Oxford Dictionary defines it as to interpret a person's words literally or exactly, especially by believing them or doing as they suggest. In other words, it's to believe that what the person, it's to believe that the person means what they say. All right? It means, it, it, the, the definition is to believe that the person means what they say. Now, here's the thing. I'll only take someone at their word if I know them. And if I trust them, would you agree with me? 
And so if Marcus comes to me after the meeting this morning and he says, hey, Mark, Mark, as they would say in New Zealand, I have a ticket for you to go and watch the rugby next Saturday. And I'm going to say, thank you very much, Marcus. That's awesome. And so what I'm going to do then is that I'm going to, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to put it in my diary or my Google calendar, which is the new rave apparently. Then I'm going to begin to plan my trip. What I'm going to wear. Am I going to be warm enough? Where I'm going to park? All of those things. And so even though I haven't got the ticket, I've already begun to plan and prepare as though I do have it. Why? Because I trust that what Marcus has said is true. That I've got a ticket for you to go and watch the rugby. Now can I say, if that's true of someone I know, how much more so should it be true of what Jesus and what God's word has to say? If I'm willing to take a friend at their word, why is it then that I'm not always willing or able to take God at his word? Why is it then at times so hard for me to believe what he says? And remember, you only believe something if you're willing to do it, eh? Now, there's some wonderful examples in Scripture of those who were willing to take Jesus at, at his word, who were prepared to take God's word to heart. And so I want to take you on a little journey this morning as we look at a few examples of this, and let's hear what God would be saying to each of us individually. And so the first account is taken from John chapter 4, and we're going to read from verse 46 through to 53. And it should come up behind me. There was a royal or a certain royal official whose son lay ill at Capernaum. And when this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judah, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son, who was close to death. Unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told them, you will never believe. And the royal official said, Sir, Come down before my child dies. Go, Jesus replied. Your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. And while he was still on the way, his servants met him with the news that his boy was living. And when he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, yesterday at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. Then the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, your son will live. So he and his whole household believed. Now what if we were willing to take Jesus at his word? What if we chose to believe everything that Jesus has said? In other words, everything spoken and declared in Scripture. Well, I want to tell you the effects would be profound, life-changing. But isn't that what we're called to do? To live in and obey the full counsel of God's word? To take God's word and live in and obey in everything that it says? Where we are willing to take the Bible to heart what it says? 
That when we read something in scripture, our first and our natural response is to take it at face value and to believe it. Now, of course, we may not always like what we read. We may not even understand some of what we're reading. We might not even agree with it. And yes, let me tell you, God's word will challenge us. It will stretch us. It will definitely provoke us. But because God's word says it, we do it. And this is what this royal official did. He took Jesus at his word and departed for home in the belief that his son would be healed. He acted on what Jesus said and saw the blessing that came with his obedience, the healing of his son. Now, another example is that of the centurion. And we can read that story in Matthew chapter 8, and we'll read from verse 5 through to 13. And it says, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I do, not deserve you to have, I, do, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. But just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one go and he goes and that one come and he comes. I say to my servant do this and he does it. And when Jesus heard this he was amazed and said to those following him, Truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. Then Jesus said to the centurion, go, let it be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that very moment. Wow. What a picture of faith. Faith in Jesus and in Jesus' words. Because this centurion believed that if Jesus just said the word, his servant would be healed. eh? That healing would happen. He didn't need Jesus to come to his home. He knew that Jesus could just speak a word of healing and it would happen. It would take place. Why? Because this man understood the power and the authority of Jesus' words. The same words that we have in the scriptures. It was his faith that allowed him to take Jesus at his word and the result was his servant got healed. You know, the Bible is clear that without faith, it is impossible to please God. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, which then also means that God is pleased with faith. eh? He's pleased with our faith. He delights, or He's delighted when we act on His word by faith. And not only is He pleased by our faith, but more importantly, He responds to our faith as we've seen in these two stories of the royal official and the centurion. 
And so if that is true, well then how does faith come? Well, the Bible clearly tells us that it comes by hearing the word of Christ. Romans 10, 17. And so to hear the word of Christ, we need to lean into Christ and in what, in what he's saying, into his word. We need to incline our ear to his voice. We need to know what it is that he is saying. Because here's the thing, we cannot take him at his word if we don't know his word. If we're not prepared to listen to him, to spend time with him, to get to know his voice. We'll never be able to take him at his word if we don't know what he's saying. Let me give you one last example from Luke chapter five and we're gonna read the first 11 verses. And the story goes here that one day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. And he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and he asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon, Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boats to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything and followed him. And the amazing thing in this story is that Peter took Jesus at his word to go and throw his nets out once again even though it didn't make sense. Eh? Especially when a carpenter tells a seasoned fisherman how to fish. But you know, the result of Peter taking Jesus at his word was God's miraculous blessing and provision. So much so that they needed help to bring in all the fish to shore. And you know what? There's a lesson in that for us. That as we take Jesus at his word and do what he says, you know what? We too will experience the miraculous provision and blessing that God has for us and in the things that he's called us to do. What if we would take Jesus at his word? What if we would believe and act on everything God says in his word? 
I want to tell you, our lives will never be the same again. But you know what? It boils down to trust. Do we trust God and what he says in his word? Do we believe that he is faithful to his word? Do we believe that he will honor what he has said in his word? Because here's the thing, if we don't, if we don't believe that, well, then we'll never take him at his word. But if we do, again, I want to say we will see spiritual breakthroughs and blessings like we never thought possible. Why? Because God is committed to his word. God is committed, committed to every one of his promises. Everyone. You know, Numbers chapter 23 and verse 19, we read these words that God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? And I want to say this is more than a rhetorical question that is being asked. But maybe this is the question God would ask you specifically and personally this morning. How would you answer it? Do you believe that he is the God who speaks and then acts on what he says? Do you truly believe that if he has promised something, that he would then fulfill it? I trust so. In Hebrews 10 verse 23, we are encouraged to hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. Why? For he who promised is faithful. He who promised is faithful. Which then means every promise is true and faithful in Christ. The Amplified puts it like this. For he who promised is reliable and trustworthy and faithful to his word. But again, do we believe that? Not what our intellect or our head knowledge would say, but do we truly believe that in our hearts? In Psalm 12 verse 6, we're reminded that the words of the Lord are flawless. In Psalm 19, 7 and 8, we're told that God's word is perfect, that God's word is trustworthy, that God's word is right, that God's word is radiant. In other words, it can be believed because every one of God's promises is yes in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 20. And so when God says things like, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that I might open the floodgates of, of, of heaven, the windows of heaven and bless you. Then are we willing to take him at his word? Are you prepared to obey his instructions in order to live in the blessing that he has for you? To be willing to do it God's way. Doing God's will, God's way, because it's in God's word. Or when Jesus says, give and it will be given to you, Luke 6, 38, 
Are you willing to take Jesus at his word and do it his way? Even though mathematically it doesn't make sense. Because our logic says, how can I get if I give? If I give, I'm going to have nothing left. Therefore, I'm not going to have. But you know what God says? His ways are different to our, way, our ways. His kingdom principles are different to this world's principles. The world's financial systems say, if I, if I buy and I sell, I'll make some profit. But God's kingdom principles say, give and you'll receive. Are we willing to do it God's way? Are we willing to believe that it's when we sow, that's when we reap? Well, you know what? We can because Jesus said it. Paul said it. Scripture says it. Let's begin to take God at his word. Eh? Or where he says, forgive and you will be forgiven. Are you willing to take what Jesus says to heart? So that you can live in and experience the forgiveness that he has for you? No matter, what, no matter what someone may have done to you, said about you, betrayed you. No, Jesus says forgive and you'll be forgiven. You can choose. Am I going to take Jesus at his word or am I going to do it my way? Hold a grudge. Refuse to let forgiveness in or let that person off the hook. What about where Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow, what you will eat or what you will drink because he'll take care of your tomorrow. If he can do that for the, the, the lilies of the field and the birds of the air, how much more so will he do it for you? If you'll take him at his word. If you'll believe him. And friends, we can take Jesus at his word. Because like Abraham, we too can be fully persuaded that God has the power to do what he has promised. Romans 4.21, even when it looks improbable, even when it looks impossible. We heard that from Kirsten this morning. What's happening in Poland on their church as they're helping refugees. What's impossible with man is possible with God if we will take him at his word. But what happens when we don't take Jesus at his word? When we don't take God's word to heart? When we may know the theory, but it never goes beyond that? Well, here's an interesting story about that. And this will be the last story, because I see that clock's got bigger there, Marcus. So the preacher doesn't miss the, the time there. Huh? Is it just for me? All right. In Mark chapter 4, verse 35 to 40, it says, That day when evening came, he, that's Jesus, said to his, said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. And a furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat 
so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said, teacher, don't you care if we drown? And he got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Now, the interesting thing of the story or in the story is that Jesus had said they are going to the other side. He had spoken it. He had declared it, which means then that they would get to the other side and they wouldn't drown in the middle of the lake. But these disciples doubted his word when the storm arose. And instead of taking Jesus at his word, they focused on the storm and they forgot what he had said, what he had determined and declared. Now, of course, I don't need to tell you that storms, no matter the size or the, the variety or the intensity, are very real. Hey? They are a reality of life. And yes, the wind will howl through your life at times. The waves of life will toss your boat about, but you have a choice. Will you look to Christ or will you look at the crisis? Will you heed the promises of Scripture or the noise of the storm? Will you take God at His word or look at your surroundings? And I want to say this is the challenge for this morning. And this is the challenge from Scripture. And if it is the challenge, then I want to say let's choose to believe what God says. Because we know that His Word is living and active. That His Word is sharper than any double-edged sword. That his word has the ability not only to go deep, but to, but to um, judge the heart, to judge the thoughts and the minds. Let's remind ourselves that God's word cannot return void. But it will accomplish God's desires and the purposes for which it was sent and for which it was spoken. As it was then, so it is today. Isaiah 55, 11. You know, it was Smith Wigglesworth who said, if God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. Wow. How about us adopting that mantra for our own lives? That if God said it, then I choose to believe it, no matter what. It settles it. And so let's live our lives as though we truly believe everything God has said. Because if we do, I promise you, we will never be the same again. And so are you willing from today on to take Jesus at his word? That whatever he says, whatever scripture says, you'll be willing and prepared to obey it. 
Just like Jesus's mother, Mary, said to those servants at the wedding of Canaan in John chapter two and verse five, whatever he says, do it. Whatever he says, do it. Whatever God says in his word. And yes, you may look at God's word and you say, well, that wasn't written to me. And it may not have been written to you, but you know what? It was written for you. Every single word that we find in God's word in the Bible is written for you. And God wants us to obey it. God wants us to live it. God wants us to own it. And God wants us to take him and his word to heart. Let's take Jesus at his word.